You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Well, Pastor Aaron, why don't you come up here and uh, bring us a great word? And uh, we are we are so keen. You, Pastor Aaron and Kristen Williamson, Newcastle-based, and then moved to Sydney uh, a few years ago, and uh, became the young adults pastors of Dayspring Church, and have since um, become the lead pastors there at Dayspring. A great church, really moving in the spirit, really stepping into into some phenomenal things of the spirit. And uh, we've been so blessed to have. Uh, Pastor Aaron and Kristen come to our uh, Spirit and Truth Intensive over the past couple of days. And I've just loved, mate, what you've brought, how you've been vulnerable, but open and just really taken us forward. So we are so keen to have you here today. So God bless you and uh, thank you. Hey, you know, we should never be afraid to take a risk, right? I, I think imagine, you know, I'm still learning how to do this well and learning how to step out. I, I've never, never done that in this kind of environment before. And, um, but I, I feel like I, I mean, I know half of you. I was going to say, I feel like I know you, but I do know, I literally do know half of you. So many familiar faces, which is, which is amazing to see. And so many people that I grew up with, so many friends. Uh, but I, you know, imagine, uh, imagine what we've missed out on because we've failed to take a risk. Because we haven't stepped out. Imagine what God was ready to do if only we were ready to take a risk with Him. And so this morning, I would encourage you, never be afraid to step out and take a risk. It's a journey. We learn. We're learning to do this all the time. And there's no condemnation that comes with that. God does not condemn us because we missed a moment or because we, were, uh, we didn't step out and take a risk. He's always encouraging us. He said, okay, next time. Next time. Awesome. Well, it's such an honour to be here with you. It really, really is. And uh, I was thinking as we were driving in this morning that uh, this, this is where I grew up in church. It looked a little different. We were in a, a rundown, crummy old binny shell. But it was church and it was great. Newcastle City Church, the church I grew up in, met right here for many years, right here on this property. So it's kind of like coming home. And, uh, and certainly there's lots of familiar faces, lots of people I went to school with, a few teachers even that, uh, that taught me at school that I can see here, and lots of friends, lots of familiar faces, so it really does feel like home. And, and, and you guys have made me feel like at home as well. Thank you so much, Pastor Keith, Pastor Janet. Don't you just love your pastors? Why don't we just honour them this morning and for what they are doing? Not just for what they are doing, for what they have done, faithfully sown into our city, I really do believe that the, that the spiritual landscape of Newcastle would look so much different. It would be so worse off if it wasn't for the sacrifice and the risk and the faithfulness of this amazing couple sowing in to this place, watering the ground day after day, week after week, year after year. And uh, I, I, was just, I was thinking over the weekend how many, because uh, you know, I, I was a youth pastor here in Newcastle and our youth used to do a lot of things with victory. We had kind of a healthy competition going on uh, between, you know, who knows, if you know Adam Smorkin, he's just a little competitive, right? And so it was, but it was all healthy, it was all good. Uh, but I was, just, I was just thinking, how many of those youth leaders 
that are around uh, the, you know, 10, 10 years ago are now in ministry here right now, are still here. I think it says something a lot about Keith and Janet, that they've provided a platform and they've, they know how to father young people and usher them in and see them established. I mean, that's, that's rare. I don't know if you know that, but that's rare. You don't see that all too often where youth ministers and youth leaders, young youth leaders remain in church, grow up and continue to press in and just grow stronger and stronger. So I want to honour that uh, with you guys and what you guys have done and sowing into that and honour you as a church as well for stewarding that so well. Really is amazing to be here this morning with you. And uh, if you want to turn your Bibles or I believe it's going to be up on the screen, Isaiah 6210, we're going to start here. We're going to see how far we get this morning, and we're going to do some ministry. I want to speak around the mystery of momentum. The mystery of momentum. So for all of those of you like to take notes and write titles, uh, there you go. Need met, need fulfilled. The mystery of momentum. Isaiah 62.10 says this, Go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, take out the stones, and lift up a banner for the people's. I really believe that in this day, right now, in this moment in time, the church is in preparation mode. We are in preparation mode, getting ready for an outpouring of His Spirit such as like, we, that we have never seen before. An outpouring of His presence, an outpouring of His Spirit to the likes of which we have never seen before. And alongside this preparation, I can see and sense, I think we all can see and sense, a spiritual momentum building. There is, you know, right across the world, there, is, there are crazy things happening right now in and outside of the church that God is sovereignly doing amongst His people and even amongst His people that are yet to be His people. And I was, I was sharing with the guys this weekend that, you know, we're hearing all the time, I don't know if you guys have heard the same stories of, you know, Muslims in their sleep encountering, a, having a vision of Jesus and then waking up and, being, and, and giving their lives to Him. And through those visions, through those encounters, Jesus sovereignly showing up in their dreams, their whole families and whole communities, villages being, being saved, being led to Jesus Christ through an encounter in a dream. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. How good is God? The church can't get in there. These, these places are off limits. They're restricted. And the church and the gospel message can't get in. So Jesus just invades their dreams. Come on. Well, if you're not going to let my people in, I'll just jump right in there. And we're hearing crazy stories uh, and crazy testimonies. The miraculous is on the increase. There's a, there's a momentum around miracles happening in the life of the church at the moment. Just a few weeks ago, we prayed for a lady. We had a word of knowledge uh, similar to what has happened here. Uh, after worship, someone said, hey, I believe that God wants to heal cancer. And, and it was one of our pastors. I'm thinking, wow, that's a big call. But sure enough, people put their hand up. And, and one of the ladies there, and we, just like this, we got our church to pray. And a lady who was due to get, her, uh, get a lump in her breast removed on the Wednesday, she got prayer. She felt heat in her body. When she went back to the doctor on Wednesday, the doctor said, the lump's gone. There is no lump. She got completely healed right there, right then in that moment. How good is that? And so we're just seeing a momentum around the miraculous when we give God room, when we understand that He still does miracles. We believe that, right? that He is still a miracle-working God, that He is the same God, that He hasn't changed, His nature hasn't changed. If there's any change that happens, it's on our side. Wrong belief systems or wrong thought patterns that have, that have taught us or told us that that was for another day, it was for another time, or that it's not, for, it's not for me, it's for the special anointed prophets or healing ministers. No, 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 no. It's for the church. 
It's for you and I. We all have the same Holy Spirit within us. We all have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living in us. And that resurrection life is called to flow out of us and in around the circumstances and the world around us and bring change and transformation and healing and deliverance and freedom. Amen? So there is a, an increase in hunger, signs and wonders, a wave of momentum that God is releasing in and through His church. And so this morning, I want to spend time around that word momentum, unpack it a little bit, explain what it means, how it works, how it is increased, how it is maximized. Because how momentum works in the kingdom is not how it works in the world. It's different. How we see momentum being created and sustained in this, in this world, in, in a natural environment, in the workplace, or in corporations, is not the same way that kingdom momentum works. It is different. Now, if you search your Bible, whether it be on your iPad or your phone, or whether you're going old school this morning, you won't find the word momentum in it. I think the, the, I think the message paraphrase phrase me, mentions momentum once. So you won't find the word momentum in it, but what you will do is see clearly the concept of momentum. Very clearly. You mean you read through Acts, and, and in an instant, the Holy Spirit falls, and 3,000 people are added in a day. That's momentum. And then, and then through Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4, we see that the number of disciples, the number of the church increased daily. It was added to daily. And then something radical happens in Acts chapter 5. They, they anoint seven others to carry the load, to help carry the load. There's an impartation. And for the first time, we see instead of numbers being added, numbers were multiplied. Momentum. So we can see momentum happening through Scripture, even though the word's not mentioned. Amen? This whole thing kind of happened through uh, an, what I would call an encounter. It wasn't a crazy encounter, but it was an encounter that I had at a, at a, at a conference at Hope You See, Darling and Mark Czech's church. And they created this space during worship just to receive. And, and the, the worship band continued to play, and some people got up and started prophesying. But it was, it was kind of just, just time to receive from God. And I, I closed my eyes, and, and all of a sudden I felt like I was. Now, I know that being back in Newcastle, uh, you know, I, we live in Castle Hill, it's way out west, and it's an hour to the beach, and to get to the beach, uh, you know, actually, you can get to the beach in about 45 minutes from where I live, but it will cost you $35 in tolls and $50 in parking. <laughs> so don't ever complain about living in Newcastle, all right? But, uh, but, you know, so I grew up in Newcastle, I had friends that surfed, I had friends who tried to get me to surf, but I was terrible at it, hopeless at it. By the time I made it out the back, I was too tired to do anything else. I was done. And I couldn't, I couldn't float on this surfboard. I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. Anyway. But instantly, I felt like I was at the back of the ocean, being, being, going up and down, bobbing up and down on waves. Now, my first thought was, I'm sick. Something's wrong with my balance and equilibrium. And so I got up and started walking around, but then I realized that God was trying to tell me something. So I sat back down, closed my eyes, and, and, and there was that feeling again, being up and down. And this is what God has said, said to me in that moment. I'm gonna read it so I get it right. There's a momentum that you can catch and ride. Surfers don't create momentum, they ride it. They don't create it, they surrender to it. Their skill set is in reading the sets, reading the waves then positioning themselves. It's about position. Position, position, position. Don't create momentum, surrender to it. Don't strive for momentum, wait for it. It will come. God has set it in motion. You may not see it yet, but it has started. It is coming. It is flowing in. Waves are formed and start in the unseen realm. 
below the surface. Below the surface, you don't see the start of a wave. You don't see the beginning of a wave because it's under the surface, it's underneath, it's hidden, it's in the unseen realm. You can't see it, but it is there, it is coming, it is on its way, amen? So momentum is all about position and surrender. Reminds me of what Jesus teaches us in John 15. We're gonna quickly unpack this scripture. Again, the word momentum is not used. The word fruit is, and we, but we can see the concept of momentum as Jesus uh, speaks here about abiding in Him. John 15 verse four says this, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I in the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father in heaven is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you these things I command you that you love one another. Now, let me just clarify because there's confusion around what this means. So before we move on, let me just clarify what this means. Abide in me. Some translations say remain. The better translation is the word abide. It means to live. It speaks about position. And that positioning is a work of the cross. It's a work of Christ. It's the work of Jesus. You have been raised with Christ, seated in heavenly places. So when we're hearing this word abide in me, it is not talking about our works, where we work to abide in Him, where we strive and one day we're in Him and the next day we're not. It's not, it's not talking about that at all. Christians are not thrown away and cast into the fire. Christians are not thrown away and burned. So when Jesus here is talking about abiding, He's talking about a position, a position that we have in Christ. Who knows that your works didn't qualify you? So your works can't disqualify you. Your works aren't more powerful than the cross. Someone needs to hear that this morning. There's freedom in that this morning. You've been striving to abide. No, no, no. If you believe, you're abiding. You are positioned in Christ. It's your faith that positions you. By faith, Abraham was made righteous. It's your faith that positions you. Now, what Jesus is not talking about here is the walk in the Spirit, walking after the Spirit. Because who knows, that some, like we, we are called to walk by the Spirit, but there are times, at least in my life, I don't know how holy you guys are here, how perfect you guys here, probably a lot better than me, but there are times where we get it wrong and we walk after the flesh. But that does not change our position. We repent, we turn our hearts back towards God, but our walk of the flesh, our mistakes, they may have consequences, but they do not change our position. That position was bought at the cross of Calvary. And our faith, our belief places us there. So before we move on, I just wanna make sure that we know and understand that we receive a revelation that if you believe, you are abiding. Case okay, settled. You are abiding in Him. So when you read about the fruit that comes from abiding, you're included. You're included in that. Amen? So the first thing we learn about momentum 
from this scripture. It is not created by us. It is created for us. It is not created by us. It is created for us. For those living in his kingdom, momentum is not created. It is caught. It is captured. We work from momentum, not for it. We work from an inheritance, not towards it. Momentum is caught. The Passion Translation says, uh, verse five like this, I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches as you live in union with me as your source. Fruitfulness will stream from within you. Fruitfulness, momentum will flow because of your connection, because of your positioning, because of the work of the cross, because of where I've placed you, because of the words I've spoken over you, streams of living water, fruitfulness will flow from within you. It is grace. It is momentum. The unforced rhythms of grace working in and through your life. Christ in the giving of the Spirit, the death and the resurrection has released kingdom momentum into your life. You surrender to it. You catch it. You don't have to strive and work for it. There is a perception that if you want momentum in your life, you have to work hard for it. But the reality is that not all those that work hard have momentum. There are plenty of people I know that are working incredibly hard, faithful and diligent, but they don't seem to have momentum on their side. Now it's true that everything worthwhile deserves hard work around it. It deserves diligence. We need to put in effort. I'm not saying just sit back and relax. Jesus has got it all. You just sit back and wait for Him to do it. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But hard work and momentum are not synonymous. It is a grace. Momentum is more about His grace and spirit than it is about our talents and giftings. It is more about His power working in us than it is about our own abilities, our own striving, our own efforts. So the question we are left with this morning is, is the grace that God has given you flowing in and through your life? Have you tapped into that grace? Have you tapped in? Have you positioned yourself like a surfer on a wave? Here comes the momentum. God has set it in motion. I am positioning myself to allow His momentum to carry me forward. In Jesus' name. It is our inheritance. Jesus has released a ginormous yes over your life. Our spirits catch it and reply with an amen as we step into that momentum. Every promise, the promise of Jesus Christ is a yes and amen. He says our yes and the spirit within us cries out amen. Amen? You guys still with me? Momentum is sustained, number two, in a life of surrender. For without me, you can do nothing. It sounds a lot like the words of Jesus, who himself said, the son can do nothing by himself. John 5, 19, he can only do what he sees his father doing. And of course, we know in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus cries out, not my will, but yours. Jesus himself modeled a life of surrender. Fully God, fully man, but he surrendered himself to the will of the Father. And his life was in this constant state of surrender. And then the picture we get here when he's saying, the son can do nothing, I can only do what I see my father doing, is that surrender is, exists in relational context. 
It's not just you, you know, laying everything down. It's you coming into relationship with Jesus Christ. It's you coming into the knowledge of who He is. And there's an, I, will, I will submit my life to your voice and I will submit my life to your word. But there's a relational context. Again, it's not about religious works. It's around the idea of relationship, relational connection. We say what we hear our Father saying. We do what we see our Father doing. And it becomes so much bigger and so much more powerful than just following a set of instructions or following a set of religious rules or requirement. All of a sudden, we're invited into relationship, the context of surrender. In the world, surrender means you lose. We put our hand out, I give up. The enemy has overpowered me. Nations surrender because their armies can't match the military might of another nation coming against him, against them. In the kingdom, in the world, surrender means you lose. But in the kingdom, surrender means you win. You exchange your weakness for his strength, your lack for his abundance, your sickness for his healing power and provision of the cross. In Jesus' name. Paul says that surrender is our proper response in Romans 12, he says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvellous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourself to God. As we get a revelation of how good God is, what's our proper response? Surrender. Surrender. God, you are so good. Why would I, want, why would I not want to live my life for you? Why would I not want to live my life in that relational connection, surrendering my heart, surrendering my life to our proper response? Getting as we get a revelation of God's marvelous mercies is to surrender to Him. And surrender is a position of strength. James 4, 7. So then surrender to God, stand up to the devil and resist him and he will turn and run away from you. Surrender is our greatest weapon. Our posture of vulnerability becomes a stance of invincibility. But what often we get wrong is, is we, we see an attack or we see circumstances, a storm coming against us and we stand up in our own strength and wonder why we're not seeing any movement. Wonder why the devil isn't fleeing. Wonder why the storm isn't going. Well, you missed the first step. The first step to stand up in strength is to surrender your life. Surrender your life. Then stand up. What you bow down to determines what you can stand up to. Surrender is the first step. And number three, momentum is about alignment. You, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Our abiding, our positioning causes an alignment. His word works in us to bring alignment between his kingdom and the world around us. His word and our positioning works in us to align the kingdom that is now within us with the world, to the world around us, or align the world around us to the kingdom within. It's probably the better way of saying it. Heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. So we align our thoughts, we align our vision with His vision, our thoughts with His thoughts, our heart with His heart, our identity, our confession with His Word. A great picture of this is Jesus calming the storm. The disciples are panicking, fearing for their life, waves and winds tossing them here and they go back, they go down and get Jesus. You guys remember the story, right? And Jesus, 
who, who, who wakes up, he's asleep, is, is more aware of the peace in him than the storm that's coming against him. And so what he does is he releases his eternal reality, the reality of the kingdom, into the circumstance and world around him. See, momentum is an inside-out work. It starts on the inside. So often we let our circumstance prophesy over what's happening in our life. We let the storm prophesy our doom. We let the storm circumstance prophesy our destruction. Dictate how we move and how we respond. I mean, you look at that story in the New Testament, the disciples come to Jesus and the first thing they say is, do you not care that we're about to die? Imagine saying that to the Saviour of the world. He came to earth so that they could have life. He gave His life so that they would have theirs. And all of a sudden they have let a circumstance, a storm, pull them out of kingdom alignment. And they're now attacking the very nature and identity of who Jesus is. So Jesus steps up and He releases peace from inside to the world around Him. What's inside of you, the God inside of you, is called to prophesy over circumstances and storms around you and bring them into kingdom alignment. The momentum that's in you is, caused, is, is in there to release momentum around you. And Jesus didn't do the miracle when He calmed the storm just for the sake of the miracle. What He was doing was inviting the disciples back in to His true nature, back in to who He really was. Because what happens next? Jesus gets up, He calms the storm, and the disciples say this, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? What just happened? They were all of a sudden realigned with the nature of Jesus and who He was. They got a revelation, kingdom alignment happened, and whenever we see a revelation or read in the Scriptures, uh, someone describe, something describing who Jesus is, it's also describing who we are. And so Jesus brought them back into alignment with His true identity. Of course I care whether you live or die. This is what I am here for. This is my assignment to give you life. You've let the storms distort your perspective of who I am. Let me bring you back into alignment by releasing a miracle into your life that testifies to my true nature. I gotta move along really quick. Momentum is about alignment. The last thing, if I could have the worship team up now, that'd be, that'd be great. You guys still awake? Momentum isn't just for us. Here's my last point that I'm gonna unpack in record time. Verse 16 says this, you didn't choose me, but I had chosen you, commissioned you to go into the world to bear fruit. The momentum that I released in your life is not just for you. The momentum that the kingdom releases in your life is not just for you, it's for the world around you. I haven't got time to, to unpack this too much this morning, but there's two incidents that we can look at in the life of the disciples. One, Jesus was preaching and a large crowd had gathered 5,000 men, the Bible tells us, not counting women and children. The disciples all of a sudden recognize that these guys are getting hungry, it's getting late, it's getting dark, and they're going to need to be fed. And they tell Jesus this. Jesus says, thank you very much for that information. I was unaware of that. And so I says, what are you going to do about that? I think we should send them away. And Jesus says, no, 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 I think you should feed them. And the disciples go into preparation mode. They go, okay, well, here's how we're going to do it. They get the run sheet. They get the program. They get the schedule. 
How much money have you got, John? Well, I've got about $5. How much have you got, Peter? I've got, I got 50 How are we going to do this? We're going to need about half a year's wages to be able to do this. We're going to have to order ahead. Have you got your phone with you? We're going to ring up and get it, get it delivered because we haven't got time to go there. They start thinking according to their natural mindset, according to what they have in their natural resource, according to their own ability. But who knows that Jesus in this moment is inviting them into His nature, into His provision. He's trying to teach them something about the kingdom. He's trying to teach them something about momentum. The church is in a very similar situation as to this right now where the need is greater than our capacity, naturally speaking. The need of this city is greater than our capacity. We can't fulfill the need of this city. We can't meet their needs. We can't save them. We can't minister to them. We can't bring freedom into their lives according to our own natural ability. The need is far greater than our capacity. And Jesus is trying to teach the disciples here something very important, that they're not to rely on their own natural abilities, their own natural resources, their own natural momentum. Disciples, Peter, James and John, don't try and create your momentum. Understand that right now I'm about to show you that there's a kingdom momentum in and around you that I'm calling to be pulled out of your life. There are circumstances and need around your life that the kingdom is gonna be pulled out into. Fast forward a couple of years, the Holy Spirit falls and these same disciples in a similar situation. They walk up to the temple to pray. A lame man, they encounter a lame man on the streets and he asks them for natural resource. He asks them for money, for something that, 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 that would sustain his condition for a short amount of time, Right? I mean, if they had given him money, when we're talking about and reading through this story of the lame man, the first question I ask is, what would have happened if Peter and John had have had silver and gold in their pockets that day? Would have they been more aware of the natural resource they were carrying rather than the kingdom resource inside of them? I see the same situation as the feeding of the 5,000, but I see a very different response because all of a sudden they were aware of the kingdom and the power of the Holy Spirit, resurrection life that was now inside of them. And they said, you know, well, we don't have silver and gold, but I remember Jesus teaching us a valuable lesson back in the wilderness, back in the desert, went in front of 5,000. I remember Jesus teaching us that we had access to a greater resource a resource that won't just sustain you for a day, it will set you free, it will set you on another path, it will cause you to rise up and walk and enter into your destiny and purpose in the fullness of all that God has got for you. Church, I'm telling you that the world is pulling on a need that only the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God can supply. It's got nothing to do with how many natural resources, how much money we have. I mean, we need natural resources at times. Don't get me wrong, of course we do. They provide very real solutions to people. That's not what I'm saying. But it's the kingdom of heaven. It's the momentum of heaven that's inside of us that's gonna bring change and transformation. Amen? Why don't we stand to our feet? Are we living more aware of our natural resources and natural gifting than we are with the kingdom resources that we have at our disposal? You read on just a little bit further in Acts chapter 4, 33, it says, God's grace was so powerfully at work amongst the disciples. Listen to this, because this is hard to believe. But it's in the Bible, so I'm gonna believe it. But it's hard to believe this. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all 
that there were no needy persons among them. I mean, come on. Why? Because the momentum of the kingdom had been pulled out of them and every need was being met, not according to their own capacity, but according to the kingdom capacity that was now inside of them and being pulled out of them. Don't be surprised if you find yourself in a situation where the need is greater than your resource. The need is greater than your current capacity. Don't be surprised. Understand it's an invitation into upgrade. Understand it's an invitation into a kingdom momentum that is designed to make yourself so aware that what you carry on your own is nowhere near enough so that you surrender to the life and the work of Christ inside of you and allow it to bring healing all around you. In Jesus' Name. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.